and I would just title this Restoration of Reverence. The setting of Malachi, he focuses on restoring reverence for God, using practical examples to help God's estranged people return to him. Rather than demanding honor because he's the almighty God, which he had every right in doing, the Lord challenged his people by questioning them. Kind of sounds like a parent who, who's, who's wanting to correct their child, but, but, but you use questions in doing that. Instead of just coming down forceful, we ask questions, getting them to think and say, oh, maybe I could do it this way. Maybe I can get better. That's what God's doing here in Malachi. We will see as we look into Malachi that God called for a return to reverence, especially among the priests who, who were supposed to honor God and teach the people. So you'll see a lot of this is addressing the priest. But that does not mean you and I get out of it. Because if we were to look to the New Testament, the Bible refers to each and every one of us as priests. So it's for each and every one of us. There's practical application to this lesson. So don't sit there and brush it off saying, ah, that's just for the leadership. They got to do all this. No, that's for each and every one of us. Every one of us are leading somebody. We are priests of our homes. We are leading somebody. So do not brush this off. Most scholars would agree that Malachi is difficult to date with accuracy, but, but Malachi most likely prophesied during the Persian period between 515 and 458 B.C. Little's known about Malachi. There's a couple other uh, messengers of God that, that are the same way. that You just don't know much about him. His name is, is only mentioned in this book that bears his name. And Malachi may, may not even be a proper name. The, the, the word just means my messenger in Hebrew. The, the book's author may be anonymous. It, we may not even know who it really is. And he's serving as the final messenger before the New Testament begins. Malachi wrote to the Judeans living in the Persian period after the restoration of the temple. So at this time, there is a temple and there is worship going on. God, uh, the people were facing difficult times, and they were constantly questioning God. There's something that each and every one of us have done or we will do. We, we, we start to struggle. We start to go through things. And, and one of the first things we want to do is, why, God? Why me? Why am I going through this? Why do I have to do this, right? It's just human nature. It's what we do, and that's what the, the, the children of Israel were doing at that time. But God responds to their arguments with his, with his own questions. He's challenging the people to reverence him. So we'll pick up in chapter 1. The, the temple has already been rebuilt. The priests, they're already offering sacrifices. But it, it seems like when we, when we get into this book that, that they're just going through the motions. That, that, that they're doing priestly rituals. And they're, and they're coming to the house of the Lord, just just out of out of habit. This is what we do. But there was there, there was no true honor and there was no true reverence to the name of the Lord. And that's what we'll pick up on. I I, I can remember uh, Brother Wayne C. Mitchell. He he used to say something that had always stuck with me. And as a young person, you don't quite understand everything he would say. But as I'm getting older, a lot of the things he used to say, they just they come back, and I'm like, man, he was really really smart. I wish I was older when I sat under Brother Mitchell. But he would say, if you've ever walked away from God, if you've ever walked away from God and you make it back, he would say, you better pitch your tent at an altar. 
and, and, and as a young person, I didn't quite understand that. But, but now to me, it, 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 and I have walked away from God, and thank God I've made it back. So I have to pitch my tent. I can't just be an average, everyday Christian. I can't just go through life just all, all, all just on the ups and downs. I have to be focused every single day. And, and the, the, uh, I, ha I have to make sure that I, I do find myself at an altar. I, I don't get the opportunity to neglect an altar like some Christians may who, who, who've, who've done this their whole life and they can get away with it a day or two. But, but for those that have walked away from Christ, you don't get that opportunity. When you walked away, you threw that away. So now we have to learn and understand that we have to make sure we are familiar with an altar of repentance. And the children of Israel, that's what I feel like, they, that's where I feel like they were at. They, 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 they missed Brother Mitchell's message about getting to an altar and living there. And so, so what we're seeing in Malachi is the fact that they're just going through the motions. Yeah, they're going to church. They're offering sacrifices. But as we get into it, we'll see that it's, 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 it's not what God was looking for. It's not, it's not what God was after. What these people needed was a good old-fashioned Brother Wayne C. Mitchell sermon. <laughs> That's what they needed. So let's, let's look at this in Malachi 1 and 6. The, 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 and I'm reading out of NLT like I usually do. The, the, the Lord of the heavens army says to the priest, A son honors his father and, and a servant respects his master. If I'm your father and master... Where are the honor and respect I deserve? This is God, the Lord talking to the people. You've shown contempt for my name. In other words, he's saying, you, you, you will spend more time honoring your father than you honor me. You, you'll, you'll spend more time honoring your master than, than honoring God. He's a little upset, maybe even a little jealous. And, and if we would, would, would want to try to Break that down and, and relate that to, to, to our today life. You and I would, we will show up to work on time every day, but 15 or 20 minutes to come to the house of God every week. Ouch. That, that's kind of how I relate that. We, 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 will, we, we will give all to our work and our job, and we're supposed to. That is correct. But we're too busy to come help out at the house of God. See, they were given honor, but they weren't given the same honor to the Lord, our God. So, so practically, this, this, this point I'm trying to make is we have to be careful Yes, we are by God, by, by God's principles, we are to give 100% if we are being paid. At work, we call it eight for eight. If you go to work, we don't punch a time clock, so our boss says, give me eight for eight. Come in, I'll pay you eight hours, give me eight hours worth of work. It's just, it's so, so for you and I, if, if we have to come into the house of God, and if we've busted our tail at work for a boss all day long, we better come into the house of God being able to worship God with everything we've got. It's, it's, it's honoring it's honoring God. It's reverencing God. Malachi 1, 7 and 8. You've shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? And God, the Lord replies, you defiled them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. 
When you give blind animals as sacrifice, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and, and diseased? Trying to give gifts like that to your governor? Try to give gifts like that to your governor and see how he is pleased, says the Lord in heaven. In other words, these people knew. You don't bring a blemished lamb as a sacrifice. You don't give a crippled animal as your sacrifice. You know better. And then he says, go give that to the governor. See what he would do. But you and I, at times, we will have a bad day. We will ju just, things just went haywire fast. And we come to the house of God and we take it out on him. We come in here, we fold our hands. I had a bad day. I ain't worshiping God. I'll do it next week. We'll come in offering a blemished sacrifice. We'll come in. We, we know. <laughs> Quiet in here. But this is good stuff. We're going to grow together. We know not a one of us deserve to be in the house of God tonight. Not a one of us are good enough. Not a one of us have been perfect enough. Not a one of us has been sinless our whole lives. And yet we'll come to the house of God and think he still owes us something. And that's what the children of Israel was doing at this time. They were, they were going to church. They were doing their offerings. But it was worthless sacrifice. It, it was meaningless to God. They, they were trying to bring useless sacrifice to him. One and nine. Go ahead. Beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Asked the Lord of the heavens army. So, so the, they're bringing worthless sacrifice. They're bringing something that did not cost them anything. And then their typical human nature, they're getting mad at God, begging him. Why ain't you accepting this? Why ain't you blessing me? Why ain't you taking care of this? Why didn't you answer my prayers? Hello? Why don't you bring the correct sacrifice? Why don't you give God your all? That's this conversation that's going on back and forth. And then watch this. In 10 and 11, how I wish one of you would shut the temple doors. In other words, he was so fed up with, their, with, their, with this, this, this blemished sacrifice that he said, I would just rather you not bring anything to me. I would rather someone shut the temple doors than bring me an unworthy sacrifice. That is a powerful statement. I don't ever want to get to the place where I make God so angry that he says, I would rather you not even come into the house of the, uh, of the Lord lifting up my name. Because that's exactly what he's saying here in Malachi. I am upset with your Worthless sacrifice. I am appalled by it. I don't want nothing to do with it. I would rather just close it down. That's rough. But my name is honored 
by the people of other nations. Then, he, then, he's, then, then, then the Lord is just throwing a little jab at him. He's saying, you, you are my chosen people. You are my called out people. And yet there's nations all around that is worshiping my name and lifting up my holy name and giving reverence and honor to me. They're doing it all over. But I can't even get my chosen few to worship me with honor and reverence. That's what it says. Malachi 1, 12 and 13. But you dishonor my name with your actions by bringing contemptible food. You are saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's, it's too hard to serve the Lord. And you, you turn up your noses at my commands, says the Lord of the heavens armies. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these, asked the Lord? How many times? I'm so guilty coming in and just going through the motions. Everyone, majority of us have been around the, 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 the house long time. We know how to play the part. We know how to clap our hands at the right time. We know how to lift our hands at the right time. We know when to say amen and when to do what we need to do. But is that true Worship Is that true and honorable worship that God will receive? The Lord's saying we're dishonoring him by offering up this contemptible worship, this, 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 this meaningless worship. It is really quiet in here. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's in the Bible. Uh, we're going to move on. It's going to get better, then it's going to get worse, just so you know. I'm uh, <laughs> Malachi 2, 1 through 4. Listen, now he really starts to focus in just on the priests. But like I said, it's for each and every one of us. Listen, you priests, this, this command is for you. Listen to me and make up your minds to honor my name, says the Lord of the heavens army, or I will bring a terrible curse against you. I will curse even the blessings you receive. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you have not taken my warning to heart. God's starting to put some things into place. I will punish your descendants and splatter your faces with the manure from your festival sacrifices, and I will throw you on a manure pile. Then at last you will know it was I who sent you this warning so that my covenant with the Levites can continue, says the Lord of the heavens army. That sounds gross. I don't want to get thrown on a manure pile. What that's, what that's really saying is if, if this act was to happen, the priests would become unclean. In other words, God was taking the ability for them to offer these, these half-hearted sacrifices. If, if he could make them unclean, then they were no longer allowed to go into the temple and offer up these sacrifices. So basically, he wasn't saying he's going to throw them in a, a pile of poo. He was really just saying, I'm going to disgrace you, and I'm going to take that chance of you offering up this fake worship and this fake sacrifice. I'm just going to take it from you, is what the Lord was saying. I'm thankful that God does not throw us in a pile of manure. But if you've ever walked away from God, it will feel at times like you've been through a pile of manure. Satan would do it, but the God of heavens will not. Two and ten. Are we not all children? This is just different things that the, 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 the children of Israel were doing at this time. That was just, it was just 
it wasn't right. It was it was going through the motions, like I keep saying. It was it was just this 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 ritual that they were doing to try to really appease themselves, because obviously they were not pleasing God, and and God had to send uh, Malachi to address them. So uh, we are are we not all children of the same Father? Are we not all created by the same? God, a little oneness going on here. Then why do we betray each other, violating the covenant of our ancestors? That, that, that reverse, we, that verse is talking about, you know, we're all, we all come from God. We all come from the same Father. And we can look to Ephesians 4 and 3 through 6 when Paul is teaching this apostolic doctrine. He says, for, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, there's one faith, and there's one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and in all and living through all. In other words, it's relating back to the, 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 the children of Israel were just going against each other. They were, they were, they were tearing each other down. They, 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 there was a covenant that was made years ago that they were supposed to honor and respect each other and take care of each other. And they weren't doing it at this time. You and I today, we have a responsibility to look after our brother. I think Brother Broadges or Pastor said it last week that we are our brother's keeper. We are to look after them. We have a responsibility. When we see someone struggling, Reach down and pick them up. When you see somebody hurting, send a text, send a phone call, reach out to them, call them for coffee. That is our responsibility. And can I tell you, that is pleasing to God. That is another way we honor and reverence his holy name by looking after our brothers and our sisters. Look around this room. If you see somebody not at church tonight, Send them a text. Give them a phone call. Let them know they were missed. This is something that we should just do on a regular basis. Look after your brother or your sister. Everybody is going through something. Everybody has trials and struggles. And some of us, we just get weak. We need a brother or a sister to pick us up and help us on this journey called life. It is our responsibility. And the Lord of heaven was addressing the children with that saying, look, we all come from the same father. And that was a covenant that you made. Quit breaking the covenant. The children of Israel, they had an issue with breaking covenants. They had a, a big issue with breaking the covenants, promises and agreements that they made. They just couldn't hold to them. Verse 11 of, of chapter 2. Judah has been unfaithful in, in, in a detestable thing and, and had been done to, to the... Detestable thing has been done in Israel. I'm getting ahead of myself, sorry. And in Jerusalem, the men of Ju Judah have defiled the Lord's beloved sanctuary by marrying women who worshiped idols. May the Lord cut off from the nation of Israel every last man who has done this and yet brings an offering to the Lord, the heaven's armies. Now, marrying the, the daughter of, of, a, of a strange God may refer to idol worship, but but there was also a time that 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 the, these Judean men's they 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 would get married young. A lot of times it was a arranged marriage. You know, boys think about that. Your mom and your daddy pick out your wife. Girls, hey, who wants to give it a try? Nobody. Come on, no one wants your mom or dad picking out your spouse. I didn't think so. <laughs> I didn't think so. that happened. That really did happen. And, and j just a little plug for marriage, if they worked at it, they could make it work. And there was many times that they made it work because divorce just wasn't an option. 
And with the Lord's favor and the Lord's blessing, God taught them to love each other. So young people, listen. Find somebody who is in the perfect will of God and marry them. Don't look for looks. Don't look for fine physique like this right here. Look for someone that's in the will of God. That let, why are you laughing, Zion? That's in the will of God. Let God honor and bless the marriage and watch God bless you. It can happen. Oh. But they, they, so, so they were marrying uh, uh, foreign gods. And, and what happens with that? This, this is just great practical lesson. That's why we don't marry outside of, of, of our belief system. That makes sense, y'all? That, that, and you, you see that... Um, uh, you, you see that that happens where, where someone will, will, will marry outside of, of, of your beliefs, and before long, it's a torn situation. Then you have kids going two different ways because nobody believes the same way. There's no unity in the household. So this is, this is a great point that just make sure you find someone who believes what you believe in, who lives what you live, and walks the way you walk. It will be a blessed and honored marriage. That's my plug to you young people. In, in, in verse 15, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife in body and in spirit? You are his. And, and, and what does he want? What does God want when, when, when he blesses and unifies a marriage in two people of like-minded faith? What does he want? He wants us to raise up godly offspring. He wants our children to carry on the same traditions and the same belief systems and the same walk with God that you and I have today. That's what he's looking for, a generation to come behind us, to, to pick up the cross and continue on in the way. Young people, that's you. Pick up and carry the cross. Keep going. Move the kingdom of God forward. Don't stop. Don't back down. Don't turn away. Don't walk away from God. That was God's purpose for your parents as they got married and, and raised us up in the church. They wanted us to carry on as the next generation. Don't you lose sight. Stay focused. Well, that's what God was looking for. That's why he was so upset. He wanted a godly generation, a, a godly offspring. And, and these were, they were marrying foreign gods. And, and I think Pastor said a couple weeks ago, he was, God was so upset because they would probably worship these foreign gods on the weekends. they come worship God on Sunday. Wasn't working. And that's why he got so upset and was ready to destroy everything. Don't get caught in the trap. Make sure you're marrying someone of a like-minded faith. Uh, 17, you have wearied the Lord with your words. How have you wearied him, you ask? So the Lord, he's like, man, you, I'm tired of your silliness. And you say, well, how, how, how am I making you tired with what I'm saying? You have wearied him by saying that, all who do evil are good in the Lord's sight, and he is pleased with them. You have, you have wearied him by asking, where is the God of justice? So the, for, for the children of Israel being a chosen people and going through so much stuff, so much, they, they, they went through so many trials. It's like you want to shake them. Maybe even punch him in the forehead once or twice. And just, just wake up. At some point, get it right. As a parent, I, 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 oh, I shouldn't. I shouldn't be talking about this. You just, at times, just want to grab your kid and just, 
Just shake them. Just, just listen to me. I think that's where God's at in this, in this, the, the end of this book. He's like, he just, would you just listen, just maybe choke them a little bit just till their face turns red. It just, but I, I, I can picture God when I'm reading this that it's like that's what he's doing. He's just, he's like, I'm just so fed up. I'm just, would you get it together? Would you figure it out? It, 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 the people foolishly assume that if righteousness was not resulting in short-term benefits and if evildoers around them were experiencing temporal success, then God's promises were not true. How foolish is that? The, the, the people, the, the, the children of Israel, they were only going to do what's right to get the benefits from God. And then, and then what, they, what they realized was, well, well, that person's not doing right, but they're still blessed. Maybe I can do what they're doing. That, that's, what, that's what they were doing. That's what God was trying to address is, you guys get it right. We don't serve God for his blessings. You get that? You understand that? We, we don't serve God just for what we can get out of it. We serve God because we love him. We serve God because he set us free. We serve God because he delivered us when we couldn't deliver ourselves. We serve God because he put us on the right path when we couldn't find the right path. We serve God because of true love for him. That is it. It is not because what we get, but I can tell you this, because of the principles of the word of God. If you serve God for the right reasons and with the right heart, there will be blessings to follow. Does anybody have a testimony about the blessings from serving God? I can tell you without a doubt, when I truly sold out to God, it has been the best life I could ever possibly live because it's the blessings of God. But I did not do it for the blessings. I did it because I was such a mess. And when he saved me, it was the greatest thing that could happen to me. That's why I serve God, because I know what I was before he saved me. I know who I was before he saved me. I knew the mess I was. I knew my twisted mindset before he saved me. And for that, I don't need another blessing. I don't need another gift from God. I do it out of the fact that I am lost without him. And that is what God is trying to get his people to realize. Quit doing it for blessings. Do it because you love me. Do it because I brought you out. Do it because I delivered you from slavery. Do it because I set you free. And these people, they just could not figure that out. So they were, they, they were, they were slowly stepping away. Stepping away, stepping away. I don't have to do those things because this guy don't do it and he's still being blessed. We have to understand, and I know we do that, that Matthew 5, 45, that uh, he, he, the Lord he, God makes the sun to rise on evil and on good. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. We know these, the, they were foolish. It was foolish thinking. Good happens to, to bad people and good happens to good people. Bad happens to bad people and bad happens to good people. It's just life. It happens. Don't get caught up. Don't get caught up in, in, in someone that, 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 that doesn't live right or someone out there being blessed. Don't get, be, be thankful that they're being blessed. Don't get caught up in it. Don't try to, to pull away from some of the commitment you made. That's when you're going to get yourself in trouble. 
So the, the Lord's just, he's, he's, he's just digging at these people, just trying to get them, trying to get them to figure this thing out. We look at Malachi 3 and 1. I got to hurry, y'all. Holy. We got to go. I'm on page 1222. Oh, Jesus. Let's just move through. Let me see here. Where can we skip out? I'm cutting out on the fly. Here we go. It's like Jeopardy. Malachi 3 goes with a little prophecy of John the Baptist. He's coming. He's coming. Get ready, y'all. He's going to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. We know we understand that. Oh, here we go. Three, two through four. But who will be able to endure it when he comes? This is talking about the coming day of the Lord. Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal or like a strong soap that bleaches cloth. He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. Then once more, the Lord will accept the offerings brought to him by the people of Judah and Jerusalem as he did in the past. In other words, true repentance. True repentance is when God begins to purify us. When we find and make that tent, that, that, that pitch that tent on the altar and, and we just let God completely break us down. When is the last time that you have let God completely tear you apart? When's the last time you've let God purify every aspect of your life from your habits to your talk to your walk to your thought process to 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 your 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 work schedule your time schedule that you get up all all these things we do on a on a daily basis when's the last time you've we've truly let god just completely refine everything about us but 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 if we're ever going to get to a place where god will will accept a true offering we have got to get to a place of true repentance Repentance is a must. Repentance is something that has to be done daily. But there's there, 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 there's there's times when when it's got to be a deep. It's got to it's got to be a, a one of the first lessons a pastor taught was about a renting of your heart, like a complete just open it up and just Lord expose everything. That's that's what this scripture to me is saying. That it's just, God's got to just completely refine everything about you. He's got to purify. He's got to take out every bit of junk from your life. You, you, you know how you know when you've had a good encounter like that? When people around you say, what happened to you? That is, that is one of the number one tales that you've been with Jesus at an altar. People will notice, they will say, what's, what's different about you? What are you doing different? Is it your hair? Did you get taller? Not today. Something's different about you. That's how you'll know you've had yourself a time of true repentance with Jesus. If it's been months to years since someone said, what's different about you? You might want to find you some alone time with Jesus and let him completely do it again. Just a thought. So that was the Lord's call to repentance. Oh, and we get to the good stuff. Malachi 3, 8 through 12. And here's where we get even more quieter if that's a possibility. 
Should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me? But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of tithe and of offering that was due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating you, cheating me. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord, the heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. The only place in the Bible where God says, try me, put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant. For I will guard them from insects and diseases. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. We know we are talking about money. And, and I've always heard it taught that, that, that money is a, a heart issue. And, and I believe that to be true because every time we talk about money, it goes... Every time. Why is that? Why is that what it does? Every time, no matter who's talking about money, it could be some crazy guy up here reading the Bible, talking about a scripture about giving. <laughs> My money. You know why it is? You know how I know it's a hard issue? Because the Bible, I think it's in Jeremiah 17, 9, says that this old heart is deceitful and wicked. And we get to talk about money. We go, <gasps> That's my money. That's mine. You ain't getting it. Nope. It just gets tight. But let's be honest. Money makes the world go round. Right? Every one of us need money to survive, right? Have things. So why do we get so tight about it? We just need to understand who gave us the money and what we need to do with it, right? So smile. It's okay. I'm not taking up an offering. You're good. <laughs> let's just look into it just a few minutes. We must understand that when we are obedient to the principles of the word of God, there will be blessings that come. I kind of said that earlier, that, that, that this is a principle that God does require that we give. And when we give, he will return. That's just one of his words. We do not do it for the blessings. We do it because we love and honor God. This is an opportunity for us when we return a tithe and give of an offer. It's, it's an opportunity for us to partner with God. It's an opportunity to prove that I can live by his system and not the system of this world. We understand that the system of this world is, it's mine, 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 save, 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 invest, invest, invest. And that's great. But don't you neglect and don't you cheat the kingdom of God as well as the children of Israel did. The, 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 let's take a look just a little bit about the, the difference between uh, stewardship and, and ownership. When we start acting and behaving like an owner instead of a steward, this is a behavior that God was promised to curse, according to verse 8. God reminds us through tithe and offering that every good and perfect gift comes from God. That's something we have to understand. We, we, we did not earn anything. You understand that it all comes from God. Without him, he could take in a moment, he can take it. He can take our jobs, he can take our lives, he can take our bank accounts, he can take whatever he wants and it could be gone. He owns it all, he gives it and he can take it. Every dollar I make comes from God. And, and, and when he asks for a tithe, the first 10% of it, it, it's to be invested into his kingdom. I, I'm happy to give back because I realize and I understand it's not mine 
anyway. That's, that's true stewardship. I am just taking care of what God entrusted me with. It is not mine. I do not own it. So, so when God says, uh, I want 10%, I want the first fruits, I want 10%, I, 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 it, oh, sure, it's yours anyway, take it back. Wasn't mine, I was just holding on to it, keeping it warm. It's an understanding, it's just stewardship. I'm just, I'm just maintaining it for God. We have to understand, with, with, without him, we wouldn't have any of it anyway. So, of course, I'm glad, it, man, it's yours, take it back, it's yours. The difference between tithe and offering, tithes, are the first 10%. It's, it's, it's required of God, but offerings are required as well, but that's just above and beyond after our first fruits, after our first 10%. Offerings, it, they are required scripturally. We're not gonna take the time because I'm out of time already. They're, they're required scripturally, and if, if we can get into that afterward, if, if, if someone needs any any help in the in the Bible where that's at. But but the amount of offering, it, it was never... A, a, a given amount. Offering is just what we give above and beyond our 10%. Uh, if, if you sat under Brother Wayne C. Mitchell, right, he taught a principle that, that if, if every family in this church would do it, you would be completely blessed and the church would have need for nothing. He taught 10, 10, and 10. It's just it's what he did. He taught 10% tithe, 10% offering, and 10% um, invested, saved, saved. That's just something he taught. There's, there's probably multiple people, old school, old school, older, um, over four. Yeah, I still do it. I mean, I'm getting old. Uh, there's multiple people that still do 10, 10, and 10. It's just, it's just a way he taught. I told you, like, he, he was so wise in his day. And, and it just makes sense. Now, 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 some of you may say, oh, Brother Mitchell taught 10% offering, but I never heard pastor say 10%. He always just said, give what you want. Let me warn you. It's never a good idea to take back something you committed from to God. <laughs> not wise, not smart. Just keep that in your back pocket for later. Uh, but so 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 a principle that 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 this church teaches is 10% tithe. We give of an offering. We we do extra, we do we do a building fund, we do multiple different ways to give. Um, that's extra over and above beyond your tithing. Your tithing is it's just it's it's not an option. You're when scripture says it if if you don't do it, you are robbing from God. You are taking from him what is rightfully his anyway. So that uh, uh that's good stuff with that. Let me see. I'm trying to skip through y'all. Whatever we give. Tithing's no option. Our offering's an offering. Whatever you give, when you do it with the right heart, God's going to bless it. Some of us, we, 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 can't, we couldn't do a 10% offering right now. That, that's okay. Give something. If, 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 it, if, it's, if it's a dollar, if it's $5, if you do it faithfully, God will bless it. He's, he's looking for consistency and faithfulness. So whatever you, whatever, that's you and God. That's you and God, your wife, you, your husband, you. That's you and God's conversation. And whatever he lays on you, that's your offering. That's what you commit. That's you guys. But if you do it, if you do it, you will be blessed. He says, try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. And I see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you will not have enough room to receive it. He says, try me to test me. This is the one area that God says, just 
test me. Let me prove to you. You know, some people, I'm going to try, I'm going to skip the rest and just close at this. Uh, save me, Brother David. Um, there, people say, uh, ah, tithing, that's Old Testament. That's silliness. That's, that, every word of this Bible is true. Old Testament, New Testament. Some people, they'll, they'll fight your tooth and nail. I don't believe that. You know what? Some people still believe Elvis is alive. Let's be real. Some people believe Bigfoot's out there. They got whole people that go out looking for him. There's just some people believe some silly things. So, yeah. <laughs> All I'm telling you is I believe the word of God. And it has proven itself time and time again. In returning my tithe and giving up my offering has been one way I've been faithful. This is just me personally talking since I was 17 years old. And I've been blessed beyond measures. If, if tithing was just for the Old Testament, I truly believe I'm still better off than if I never would have done it. I didn't lose a thing. I haven't taken steps back because I've tithed since I was 17 years old. And I know I'm not the only one who would say that in this place. Would you just lift your hand right now? Let's say everybody right now, would you pray with me? Father, I love you and I thank you. God, I, I know it gets uncomfortable when we talk about tithing offering, God, and, and that's okay. We, we trust you, God. We, as a church, we want to be good stewards of what you've entrusted us with, God. We, we want to faithfully and willingly return of our tithe, oh God, and we want to give of an offering, God, to, 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 to some, they, they may have heard this for the first time tonight, and that's okay, God. I pray that you would touch their heart, but for many of us, it's, it's been a struggle, God. It's been something we've battled, so today, I'm just asking you right now that you would begin to touch every heart in this place, God. Let there be peace that falls. Let there be strength that falls. God, I pray, God, that the word of God would begin to, to penetrate every life, every heart, every mind right now in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We're going to close with this. I, I skipped so much. Y'all can stand. You'll get me out of here faster. In my Bible, there's one page between Malachi, the end of the Old Testament, and Matthew, the New Testament. One page. But those, that one page represents 400 years of prophetic silence. 400 years of no more messenger. 400 years of thus saith the Lord. How many generations were lost? How many generations did not hear Thus 
says the Lord. How many generations did not get the teachings of those that were delivered from slavery? How many of those generations did not hear about walking on dry ground across the Red Sea? Would it have been different if they would have known that there was going to be 400 years of silence? Would someone's heart have changed? Would someone begin to honor and reverence God the way Malachi tried getting them to do? Would someone have changed their ways if they would have only knew that there's going to be 400 years of prophetic silence. I have to imagine they would have. I, I have to believe someone would have changed their life. Someone would have changed the way they were living. Someone would have quit going through the motions. But you and I, we're not those children of Israel. You and I, every day, have prophetic prophecy at your fingertips every single day. You and I, week after week, get a man of God to teach and to preach the word of God. You and I, every day, are supposed to open this book and let the prophetic word speak to us daily. Give us this day our daily bread. So I challenge you today. Get into this word. Don't let one day go by where the word of God does not speak to you. Don't let one day go by where you don't bring a prepared sacrifice to him. What does that mean? What does that look like? A prepared sacrifice. For each of us is different. But it's some meditation with the Lord. It's your it's your it's your prayer time with the Lord. It's your Bible reading with the Lord. It's, it's the Lord speaking to you, working, uh, critiquing your life, showing you the areas you're weak in, getting you to work on those. And then when, when God begins to deal with those areas, you bring every bit of it to him in prepared worship. Don't bring a crippled calf to worship God. Don't bring a spotted lamb to worship God. Bring your all. Bring your best. Bring your openness to him as prepared worship. And for every one of us, I challenge us to reverence and honor the name of the Lord like never before. Show up to church on time. 
come into the house of God with an offering of worship and praise. I know some of us working Wednesday nights are nuts. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I, I get that. I'm not silly. I'm not foolish. But there's some of us, we just show up late just to show up late. That's, that's unprepared worship. That's, that's, that's going through the motions. Church starts at 6.30, prayer time 6.15. Four hundred years of prophetic silence, and then John the Baptist shows up, preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. You and I, we get that privilege today. We get Jesus every day of our lives. You don't have to just come to the house of God to get Jesus. You can be at home. You can be in your bed. You can be on your couch. You can be in your car, and you get Jesus. I'm so thankful for that.